For Arizona Public Media, I'm Leslie Tolbert, Regents Professor Emerita in Neuroscience at the University of Arizona, and this is Arizona Science. Today, we're speaking with Leah Fabiano-Smith, Associate Professor in Speech, Language, and Hearing Sciences, where she directs a program specifically for bilingual children who have trouble learning to pronounce words. Thanks for joining us, Leah. Thank you so much, Leslie, for the invitation. It's great to be here. Well, tell us about your path into studying speech disorders and bilingual children. You yourself were not bilingual growing up, were you? No, I was not. I grew up only speaking English. When I started college, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, like many students. And I minored in Spanish and I wanted to help people. I wanted to be in a position where I was serving the public. And so where I went to college at SUNY Fredonia, which is in Western New York, there were many vineyards surrounding the college campus. And in those vineyards worked many folks from Mexico who were migrant workers. And so when I was put in my clinical placements in the Department of Speech-Language Pathology, I worked with many children who were the children of the, of the workers. Uh-huh. So you focus on how speech is produced. Can you tell us, before we go into the specific issues around bilingual children, can you tell us a little bit about this science of phonology? Children learn to produce the sounds of their language to form words very early on. So even when we are hearing babies babble um, and kind of just speaking in baby talk and nonsense, that's a process happening where children are learning how sounds are used, what sounds are in their language, how those sounds can be combined. And each individual unit of sound carries meaning. So when children are babbling, we don't have a whole lot of meaning there. But then when they start to put meaning to those sounds, we start to get baby's first words. And so we start to really communicate with children and they start to understand that those sounds need to be used in a certain way to communicate. Well, what happens with children with speech sound disorders are they somehow mismatch the meaning with the sound. And so are bilingual children then also confusing sounds between the two languages? Bilingual children are are not confused about any of their sounds. So whether Mm -hmm. they have a disorder or whether they're typically developing, they know what sounds belong to what language. What happens with children with language learning disabilities is they have an underlying developmental disability that doesn't allow them to take in information process it, and store it like the typically developing brain does. Whether a child speaks one language or 10 languages, they're going to have trouble learning that language material, storing it, and then retrieving it for use later on. And so your thought was then that bilingual children might be being dismissed because it was just thought, well, that's part of being bilingual. That's right. What happens is, is that there'll be these bilingual kids and people can't understand what they're saying. And so because they don't understand how bilingual acquisition takes place, they'll say, oh, it's because they're bilingual. These children don't get identified and don't get services as soon as they really should because people are explaining away their low intelligibility and and saying it's simply because they're bilingual. Now, the other problem is this issue of over-identification. So this is when we have children who get referred to the school speech language pathologist or a pediatrician or someone, someone's concerned about the way that they're communicating. And so they get tested using methods that have been developed only for monolingual English speaking children. 
And because we're testing them on only half of their language skills, they're being identified incorrectly as having a, a communication disorder. What we're doing in the lab right now is we're trying to develop ways of assessing bilingual children where we're applying these traditional measures that have been de developed for monolingual English speaking kids. We're applying them to bilingual children and we're saying, okay, which of these measures work? Which of these measures don't? How are they misidentifying children? Are they either over or under identifying children? And can we keep the ones that are actually valid and reliable and get rid of those that, that make children susceptible to misdiagnosis? Clearly what you're doing is very important. Thanks very much, Leah. We've been talking with Leah Fabiano-Smith about particular issues that bilingual children can face in learning language. You can hear this and all other Arizona Science Conversations at azpm.org slash Arizona Science. I'm Leslie Tolbert.